1: is Lloyd, Lloyd, to Lloyd, 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 Lloyd.
0: Kane, you got any uh,
1: 18-team mega trades for us today? I think they should get it done. (laughs) I think they should have worked through the weekend, and if they hadn't worked through the weekend, they could have got an 18-team done, I reckon. Uh, It'll be be interesting. uh, We we hung shit on the AFL for not
0: working through the weekend, you know, pens down at 5 p.m., and it's funny. And then the news came out, yesterday that NBA free agency is opening. I think it was like 6 p.m. on a Friday. That's when free agency starts because they're going to be working all Friday night, all through the weekend. And uh, that's when it starts. So the contrast between those two things was uh, was pretty humorous to me.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. They've changed the the timing of free agency and trades over there. So now we have to get up earlier. It used to be pretty decent timing in the middle of our day. But yeah, that's, uh, that's when the chaos happens over here. But uh, we're strictly nine to five uh, Type people over here in just, Australia, uh, just businessman hours. Yep, that's it. So we had some movement yesterday, but it was
0: all stuff that we'd sort of heard about before. So you get these trades that you hear, well, it's happening, and then three days later, it officially gets confirmed. Like we're still waiting for the official confirmation on you know, Ben Brown, for example. But we had some stuff actually go through yesterday, which. Gives us some stuff to talk about. Now, we talked about Steph Martin heading to the Bulldogs already. The Bulldogs were really the team that was involved in everything it seemed to be yesterday. Steph Martin goes to the Bulldogs. It was a three-wayer. With uh, North Melbourne involved, they get Lockie Young, who they were going to sign anyway. But they were able to upgrade their draft pick in, uh, in that one um and brisbane were going to delist steph martin anyway and they end up getting uh, getting some draft pick uh, an improvement in their draft selection as well so all in all it was just a
1: lot of teams uh just giving each other a little bit of a favor so what can you tell us about Lockie young uh, um, obviously haven't seen a, a lot of him but he goes to north melbourne and again for for north if you are a team that's rebuilding as hard as they are it seems like a, a yeah, a move that you can't really fault, get another young player in there. So they were getting, they were going to get him for
0: free anyway. So what they ended up doing was moving back from pick 63 to 70. I'm not really sure of the the impetus for them to to do that or why they would do that. Brisbane moves up from pick 70 to pick 63 and giving Martin to the dogs. Now, Lockie Young has got a good ponytail. I'll give him that. He is a, yeah, a, a pretty decent runner. Uh, he only played a couple of games this year. Not a bad kick of the foot. He's like a running halfback. He played up forward, I think, one game this year. Kicked a nice goal. But a, a pretty strong runner. Um, not sure he's, yeah, a best 22 at most teams, but he probably will be for North Melbourne. He's still a young guy off the rookie list uh, two years ago. Hayden Young for Fremantle is
1: his uh, is his younger brother. All right. Well, there you go. I guess uh, that's not something to be uh, overly thrilled about if you're a North Melbourne fan. Oh, You've heard it here first from the Bulldogs. Uh, he's uh, supporter he's On the podcast. But I
0: reckon uh, <laughs> North Melbourne people would be a little bit cautious about getting players from the Bulldogs that haven't been in the Bulldogs best 22 uh, after the in recent years got Tom Campbell and Nathan Hrovat over uh, in that same sort of role. They'd be a little bit cautious about uh, another one of those fringe Bulldogs players coming over and expecting stuff out of them when those uh,
1: last two haven't really gone to plan. Uh, So Steph Martin, we did speak about the other day. I, I think we were both pretty in on this move. Certainly there was some talk on twitter i know our, our friend uh, sergeant butane i'm calling him sergeant butane i assume that's what it's supposed to be at sgt butane yep, that's Butane, him. if you want to follow him on twitter he's a good follower he was pointing out that the, the radiance points and said it didn't really make sense i i just think that this is <laughs> this is an absolute win-win for the bulldogs whether or not he plays because uh, we know this year obviously he had some injury concerns And then by the time he sort of was trying to come back into team, Oscar McInerney had taken over for Brisbane. They'd moved in that direction. They had an abundance of talls in their lineup anyway. So it didn't make sense for Steph Martin to play. But then also when he did play, he never played more than 75% game time. And he had uh, four games where he was in the 50s for a percentage of game time played. So with the shorter quarters as well, it really worked against that secondary Ruckman if teams wanted to go with him. So... Do we know if he's going to come back healthy next year and play at a high level? Not really. But the Bulldogs are a team that do need size and do need height. So it makes sense to me that he could play alongside Tim English. And if he doesn't play, who really cares? Who are the Ruckman on the Bulldogs list? They had no experience. So sure, there's coaching there. But having a player in there to work with Tim English anyway just seems like a plus for me. I, I can't really fault this move. And as we spoke about, they basically gave up nothing. Yeah, look, they didn't give
0: up anything to get him at all. Lockie Young was leaving anyway. It, we know that Martin is past his prime. Uh, mentorship role is fine. Yeah, how him and English in the same team work together, You know, when ones are in the ruck, where do they go? Like How much time is English playing in the ruck? How much is he playing out on the wing, up forward, down back, whatever? That remains to be seen. And, of course, the health of Martin it has to be a concern at his age and given the, the season he had, but I think it's fine. As is the other move the Bulldogs made, getting Mitch Hannan across another move that we heard three weeks ago. Uh, that is officially done with Hannon for a 2021 third rounder. Hannon, who started off playing for Footscray in the VFL, went across to Melbourne, had a really strong 2018, like every player for Melbourne. Um, and now he heads back to, uh, to the Witten Oval to, I guess, compete for spots that were vacated by uh, Tory Dixon, maybe Sam Lloyd, uh, and then battle guys like Lathan Vandermeer for a, a forward line position. Just a... a Totally fine move that doesn't really, I don't think, move the needle a huge amount, but they're two positions the Bulldogs needed,
1: and they filled them so far. Yeah, well, Hannon was actually asked to play a role that didn't really suit him a lot, I thought, particularly through the first half of the season, because we were talking a lot about, well, who's the key target for Melbourne? Who is their target up forward? They win a lot of the footy. They can win the ball around the contest, but they didn't really have that tall marking forward. And at times, Hannon would sort of almost play as a full forward. Then he would play as a half forward. Then he would be up on the wing. So he's versatile like that. I think he will benefit, hopefully, from playing on a team. if, If the Bulldogs can get Aaron Norton, for instance, really going next year and he can stay healthy, then I just think the structure that the Bulldogs can put around uh, the forward line there I think will will suit Hannah. But he's a pretty good player. I, I don't mind that pickup. He kicked 44 goals across his first two seasons
0: and just 11 goals in the last two. He can take a hanger as well as a uh, you know, not particularly tall guy, but he can take a, a big grab. So that's interesting. But we do have some breaking news, can I know you love it when I bring bring in breaking mm. news. Uh, North Melbourne. We need a siren. We need uh, some sort of siren. I've got, I've got the siren. North Melbourne is committed to trading for Jaden Stevenson, so um, we don't know what's happening with uh, with Adam Trulaw. The only team apparently that's meeting with him is the Western Bulldogs. We'll see how that goes. But another bit of salary cap relief could be coming here for Collingwood with Jaden Stevenson heading to North Melbourne, and I, I think it's a pretty good spot for him to land up to end up.
1: Yeah, again for North Melbourne, they want younger players, and Collingwood clearly. I uh, probably don't want to let him go. There was, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, some question marks over Stevenson's ability to uh, have an impact this year. He was in and out of the team. Again, I don't think that the Collingwood forward line helped him at all. I think it was a difficult forward line to play in. Now, I will say this. I don't think it's going to get any easier at North Melbourne next year, but uh, he will have a little bit more leeway. Perhaps there's a little bit a little bit less pressure on him next season so again for North Melbourne if they're bringing in players we know they've got the significant draft capital this year and it's probably only going to get stronger when the Ben Brown deal comes through so for North Melbourne draft picks young players it's a way to go. It's a way to go. There, there's only one way to get out of this for North Melbourne, and that's with the young talent. Stevenson uh, would be a good addition for them, I think. Yeah, he's on a, a fair chunk of a contract. Apparently, 600 grand
0: was the report that he uh, re-signed at some point last season or, or in the, in the off-season before last season. Um, so that's. But they've got the cap space. They're not paying anyone huge amounts of money, and it could be a great opportunity for him there. The other move that did go down yesterday is Peter Wright heading to Essendon for a 2021 fourth-rounder. I think it's an absolute no-brainer win They're for Essendon for a guy who's 24 years age. We talked about this yesterday, but it has been confirmed and the price they gave up was, wasn't was a huge amount. So I think it's a huge win for Essendon.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt about it. You just can't really lose here. And again, uh, we've spoke about it, but uh, not only the forward line, but they lost uh, Tom Bell Chambers as well. And uh, Sean McKernan. So there's just a spot there. There's just an obvious huge hole in the lineup for Peter Wright to come into. And uh, look, if it doesn't work out, who really cares? It's not It's not a big deal for Essendon, future fourth rounder. Even that pick surprised me a little bit. I mean, we talk about the value of players a lot on this show, certainly over the last couple of weeks we have. And a future fourth rounder for a guy that, I mean, really, he's been squeezed out for other reasons. A, a primetime player like King came into the Gold, Gold Coast lineup. It didn't make sense to play uh, Peter Wright, and there wasn't really a spot in the ruck because Wits has been such a dominant player. So it's really just circumstance that has pushed him out. So a future fourth rounder, what a bargain for Essendon. We did have another trade go down, and this is one I think is going to have
0: a decent enough impact next season. We spoke about this already, but it was confirmed. Um, Braden Pruce going to the Giants for pick 31. Of course, he started off at North Melbourne, yeah, back up there to Todd Goldstein, traded to Melbourne, where he was a backup to Max Gaunt, and now he gets an opportunity to be the number one guy um, for the Giants who desperately needed a Ruckman. He is uh, an absolute monster uh, of, a, of a player. He is, what, 206 centimeters, 114 kilos. He's 25 years of age. The, the price in terms of the deal is interesting considering how the original trade went down, Kane.
1: Well, I'm surprised that he didn't actually request a trade to the Gold Coast, first of all, to play behind uh, Jared Witts. So <laughs> playing, play, playing behind Goldstein and then a uh, pretty remarkable. And uh, we spoke about this at the time. Everyone did. We said, this is such a strange move to go to Melbourne. But the thing that stands out for me, and we like to do this, we did this with Jesse Hogan. As the trades come through, we'll be able to analyze uh, moves from the past. But this trade for Proust to Melbourne, North Melbourne received Dom Tyson, Dom Tyson, I repeat, yes, still an AFL player. I know that might surprise some of our listeners. Melbourne received Bruce and picked 62. So it is quite remarkable. Bruce only played 10 games over the last two seasons since he's been in Melbourne, uh, of course, through no fault of his own. But it's gone from the price tag has gone from Dom Tyson, who's only played three games since then, and Melbourne received a draft pick back. Uh, for Bruce to now pick 31. So uh, it is kind of funny to look back and see how the value has really climbed over the last two seasons, despite the fact he hasn't played. I think it's fair enough though,
0: because yeah, what he can do and with the need that GWS has at that position, that I think it's totally fine. He is an in-demand player. Yeah, There would have been plenty of teams inquiring about Brayden Bruce I'm sure the Bulldogs would have been interested in getting him across. Uh, any team that would be looking for someone to, to fill that ruck role, like he can do it. And... I think the, the price at the time when he went to Melbourne was low. Of course, he only played the 10 games, seven more than Dom Tyson, the player he was played uh, traded for, which is pretty remarkable that Tyson has played uh, just three games in the last two years. But I, I think it's fine that that price has gone up for Bruce because it's all about you know, demand and the market and what we think he can be. And at age 25, uh, with the demand for a Ruckman, I think that's I think that's the actual, you know, the going rate where, where it should be. And I think it makes a ton of sense.
1: Well, 25 years old as well is really prime time for Ruckman. I mean, that's when they really come into their own. There's no, there's never been any doubt about Braden Pruce and his size and his strength. He's, he's a monster, as you already pointed to. But at 25 years old, the Giants really are coming into next season with a, a ready-made Ruckman that you can put in there, and you have no doubt that he's going to have an impact. The interesting thing with Pruce, when you look at his uh, hit outs to advantage percentage, it's sky high. This is the best thing that he does. So he's up over 30% over the course of his career. He was at 33% this year, even though he only played three games. And this is really big for the Giants last year, despite the fact they've really got a star-studded midfield, and they still will next year, despite the fact they've lost a couple of players. They ranked 10th in clearances last year. We know they had struggles with ball movement. We know they had struggles with uh, getting the ball inside 50 so I, I think that this is an area they've identified. Remember, they've been rolling with Sam uh, Shane Mumford for uh, a while here. Not exactly the most mobile or uh, skillful or elegant ruckman out there. So I think getting Bruce in there is a big upgrade for the Giants. And maybe it'll help them release the shackles a little bit, particularly around center clearances, because that's how you can get easy inside 50s. And that's how you can get easy scores. Yeah, it's, it's a
0: clear upgrade on what they've been doing in the ruck there. Yep. Bruce is a, a guy that you know he's obviously got that height advantage over nearly every Ruckman. sometimes he's well maybe you've got numbers to, to dispute this but you know some of the games I've seen they haven't or he hasn't always been the easiest or the best guy at adjusting what he's doing in those center bound scenarios but a guy that that can you know take a grab can you know, move around better than players like Mumford and it is it is a clear win and uh it was always strange that trade to Melbourne but in the end, it's probably going to work out for him to to have a couple of years learning under Max Gorn and to really get into his prime now and then go up and go. I'm the number one guy. Four, five years, six years in this position he could have uh, with the Giants and and really you know, start to develop over his uh, over this prime period of his career. I, I love it and I think it is it is a really really strong move from the Giants uh, to do that. We do have. Um, uh, quite a bit of other news to get to, unless you've got... Have you got more to say on this Proust deal? No, I like it. I don't have much more to add. All right, so let's talk about some other news. And this isn't trade-related because um, Charlie Kerner, uh another another knee setback, patella surgery, which is is going to cut into the 2021 season. I don't know if it's going to rule him out for 2021. Of course, he didn't play at all in 2020. But at this point, with the knee injuries piling up for Kerno, we really have to be worried about about what happens from here on out, I'd say.
1: I think so. It'll be interesting this time, though. And sometimes you see this after someone's had surgery before, um, particularly knee surgery. Sometimes there's this stress reaction or scar tissue or whatever it may be. So uh, the fact that they're doing it now, uh, I think, helps and I I think that they would be hoping to uh, just clean it out a little bit, get him back on track, hopefully uh, not too long after Christmas, and and get him back on the field next year. I think Kerno has been almost the missing link. I mean, we talk about the players that the Blues are adding in Williams and Saad and and these types of players, but Kerno up forward alongside uh, Mackay, I think that's the key. That's what everyone's looking for. It would just allow you to not have to rely on a player like or or McGovern, who really both of them, Particularly McGovern have been disappointing. So if you get Kerno in there, you feel good. You go back to the 2018 season. He was really dominant. He had a he had a monster year there and looked like he was ready to take uh the, take the league over as, a, as the key forward for the Blues. So they're going to get him back. The Blues fans will be pretty disappointed about this. Uh, I think you'd certainly be concerned if he has one more of these and he doesn't and he struggles to get on the field next season. Then I think you'll be starting to ask questions because he is uh he's 23 now. This is the second setback on this knee, he had that original injury in
0: 2019 and then um, had the fracture of of the kneecap and then surgery in April, I believe it was, and now another stress reaction setback. Um, There have to be, he fractured his kneecap November 2019 and then in April had a stress response again and now another stress type reaction. That is, that's massively concerning considering you know, the, the 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 issues he had he also dis- sorry, dislocated his knee in October fractured his kneecap in November in April he had a hairline stress response and now another stress reaction that is a lot happening with that one knee in this 18 month period um and they have to be obviously really really cautious and really slow with this recovery because like you said like if you have another setback then I don't know where we go from here and is this is this turning into like a harley banal calf? scenario where it just never gets right. That's the worry because he was tearing up. He was averaging almost two goals a game before he went down. Um, really a, a big, big part of what Carlton was doing up forward and you added him to the team that they're looking to build this year. They looked like got the team that is going to make the finals and now that is, well, not the finals are in doubt, but his ability to impact the team. It has to, You have to just be saying, well, whatever we get from Kerno at this point, you just have to think it's going to be a bonus considering where he's at with his recovery.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't get to the point where anything you get from him is a bonus. I mean, he's still so young, but uh, yeah, Blues have got a history of taller players that have that have struggled uh, to get healthy. I mean, the one that stands out clearly was a player that we all thought could have been a dominant player in the game, Matthew Cruiser, and it was always like, well, just one more setback, but he'll be fine. Then another injury came, and another injury came, and I I know it's a little bit different with Kurnow; it all seems to be related around uh, the knee, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be writing him off, that's for sure, or, or thinking that he is going to be damaged good for the rest of his career. We, we've seen young players before be injured and be able to find a way, and uh, hopefully he does, because again, if if he is not able to get back into this Carlton side, then it, it does change the trajectory a little bit of where people are assuming they're going to get to, because I think everyone includes Kerno in the plan. Yeah, exactly, and that, that would uh, change uh, quite a bit of the calculus for where Carlton sits uh, moving
0: forward. Now, Kane, um, your blokes, the Cameron... Jeremy Cameron negotiations are ongoing. GWS continues to reject whatever it is that Geelong is out there offering. So where uh, what's the latest here with the Jeremy Cameron situation?
1: Yeah, we spoke last week, Josh, and we said, listen, I think we need to get through a day without talking about Adam Trelaw. We've managed to do that really for a couple here without briefly saying that he's going to the Bulldogs. We're pretty much in that territory with Jeremy Cameron now because there, there isn't a lot to update. Uh, The latest that they're suggesting is that the Cats are well and truly saying, okay, well, let's let's prepare ourselves. This might be going to the draft. And uh, this is is the worst-case scenario for GWS. We spoke about this. Uh, The Cats don't seem like they're going to wilt on giving up three first-rounders. GWS don't seem like they're going to wilt on giving up, uh, on taking two first-rounders. There's some talk about GWS potentially wanting a future first-rounder. I don't know whether that would be because uh, they have some pause about this year's draft given the kind of unknown state of the victorian prospects in this year's draft i don't know whether they would want a future first rounder because they think geelong's about to take a slide and they would go down the ladder i would suggest if they are getting jeremy cameron that's probably not going to happen for a couple of years so that seems like a strange path to go down but they are suggesting that the cats if if this goes past the 7:30 p.m thursday night uh, deadline the Cats at the last second could look to Essendon and say, hey, listen, we'll give you 13 and 15. Uh, you give us pick six or seven. That would leapfrog the Cats above the GWS Giants in the national draft. And maybe they'll just take him in the national draft and pick six or seven. So, and then, as we spoke about, GWS get absolutely nothing out of this. So, to me, it still feels like GWS will uh, will cave uh, late in the, in the trade period here because it doesn't make sense for them not to. But who knows? It is running out of time. The fact that that's a possibility is absolutely ridiculous that Cameron can
0: go into that national draft and that Essendon, who would have pick six, wouldn't just... Because remember how highly linked Jeremy Cameron was to Essendon like last year? Like This is where he's going. He's going to be the Joe Danaher replacement. If Danaher's out, we'll get Cameron in. And Essendon, would they not try to convince him to come at pick number six? The amount of like strange things surrounding this... Um, do you think I mean, that- they could?
1: But they, they, I mean, they could. But the, but the point is that if, if Cameron's like, no, I'm not playing for you, and Essendon's just like, oh well, we could actually turn one first round pick into two more. I mean, it, it it it's not necessarily a bad deal for Essendon, who's already going to have potentially two more uh, top ten draft picks. So I I understand what you're saying, but if it plays out this way, then it, it wouldn't really make sense for Essendon to say, yeah, we're going to use pick six or, or seven or whatever it would be on you. How has it ever
0: happened that a player has said, yeah, I won't play for you, and they sit out a year? I. I, I don't. I don't think it has. It would Local be, footy. <laughs> it'd be. Yeah. Okay. It'd be pretty. Uh, pretty ballsy to do that as a uh, as a player. In one year of your prime. Exactly where we were at with Cameron. One year of a million dollars. We're at with Cameron. Um, pretty ballsy move to to go and do that. And you know that's. Is anyone ever going to call the players bluff on that? Again, the system's screwed. We we all know that. It, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty strange that we could end up with a player who's played in the AFL for eight years getting picked at pick six with a bunch of other 18-year-olds in this draft. It just it makes the whole system, again, look absolutely laughable. Um, and now the Jack Higgins stuff. We talked about him yesterday, that he's nominated St. Kilda. Again, something we heard... Weeks ago, and then it finally comes out. No, he's staying. Now he's going. Yeah, now he's going to St. Kilda. And now Richmond wants St. Kilda's first-round pick, and St. Kilda doesn't want it. Every single negotiation seems to be played out in the media. Does anything happen behind closed doors?
1: I don't think so. But we did speak yesterday about uh, a listener, uh, Timmy Lewis, who was suggesting that the price should be pretty high on Higgins, I believe. I I don't have this up. I'm a bad podcast host. But I think he was pick 18 uh, Higgins back in the day. So only been in the system for a couple of years we did speak about it uh yesterday a little bit here so i can certainly understand why richmond would be saying well a future pick doesn't really help us this is a guy that we actually think is going to play next season and it does take away some of the depth that they have after the grand final we spoke about it we spoke about all these guys that richmond have got all these young players and to be honest some guys that are in a similar role to jack higgins but if you're only getting a future first round uh, pick back or a future draft pick, whatever it may be, second round, whatever it it ends up being. It it does feel like Richmond. it's like, well, you're kind of eating into our depth here, a guy that we think is going to be in our best 22 next year, and we're really not getting any return on that immediately. So I I can say I've, I've... Maybe softened on this a little bit. I can see why Richmond would be pushing back. And remember, he's under contract, as we've spoke about. Yeah, um, he was. you were
0: wrong, Kane. He was picked with pick 17 in the 2017 mm. draft. So you're out by one there. But look, Richmond's well within their rights to say, well, this is what we want. We want you know, this St. Kilda first-round pick. We invested a first-round pick. We believe he's going to be in our best 22 this season or the next season. Um, and, and we'll see what happens at the end of his contract. So if St. Kilda doesn't want to pay up that price... I think, how much do you think the narrative of, you know, you can't keep a player who wants out because he's just going to cause all these problems. Are any of these guys actually that big of an asshole that that they're in a group of 40, 45 blokes is going to be pissing and moaning and bringing the whole club down because they didn't get to go to their team one year ahead of when they have that opportunity to do it? Do you actually think that would be a concern? Because we hear about it all the time. Oh, once someone says they're out, you got to get rid of them. Do you really think it's that bad for him at Richmond that he's just if he has to stay one more year that he's going to bring the whole club down from within? Apparently, um, Gary Bacchanaro thinks this because he thinks that West Coast is the clear favourite for the Premiership next year, which is wild considering what we've seen from Richmond. But do you think that's actually a
1: problem? Uh, not for Higgins. It would surprise me in this situation if Higgins was... Uh, someone that, that would do that to the club or it would bring the, the club's mood down or something like that. I I, I just don't really see it because I, I do think if he hangs around, he's going to be a guy that's going to be in the side, might be on the fringe a little bit. Maybe his role isn't exactly what he wants it to be, but also he's going to be a chance to win a premiership. So I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I do think it would be a problem for Uh, Jeremy Cameron, for instance, with GWS uh, or, uh, you know, Adam Chalor with Collingwood spoke about it yesterday. It is one to watch there. I think those are the types of situations where it can bring everyone down, because if you know someone is unhappy or something's gone down, that can cause a bit of a problem. But this Richmond situation with Higgins is not it's not a culture problem. It's not that he desperately h- hates the club or he doesn't want to be there. It's simply an opportunity thing. And he'll still probably get it if he stays at Richmond. So, no, I, I I, don't think that it would be a problem here at all.
0: Yeah, so let's see which, which team blinks first here. In general, these things do tend to get done. But yeah. you know, we've seen it not happen. We saw it last year with, with Tom Papley. And then, of course, he has now... Uh, resigned and he is uh sticking with Sydney after you know allegedly yeah. being on the cusp of going to Carlton so who knows how all this stuff plays out we've got another day or so left of the trade period where hopefully we get some stuff actually finalized here and we work out what's happening with Dunkley Trelaw, Cameron Higgins Saad remember remember what it felt like 6 months ago when Adam Saad was going to Carlton and we just nothing has happened we just haven't heard anything like that was that was literal months ago and it still hasn't happened. It is it is incredibly frustrating.
1: It always comes down to the last day, and there's always teams. And uh, Again, we spoke about it, Geelong and GWS. Who's going to be the team that's going to crack there? Essendon and Carlton, what's going to happen? All these deals feel like they're happening, and it's just teams holding out to the last second, seeing if they can squeeze that little bit more juice out of the opposition. It rarely happens, and typically what's been reported, as you sort of said weeks ago, ends up going down. I expect that's probably going to be the case. There's a few interesting ones that could push... Uh, beyond the deadline and that's when things will get really really uh, hairy for these teams over the next few weeks but uh, I'm curious I, I put it this way I wouldn't be surprised if we're here tomorrow morning just hours from the deadline discussing the same deals that haven't gone down I'll say that
0: all right so before I let you go here the last question I ask is it because we hear about these things we've been hearing them for weeks and days and the same you know players moving do you think we'll get any trade that comes in in the next 24 to 30 hours that we haven't heard about at all hmm. that doesn't involve draft picks because, you know, oh, he's 30 and 50 for pick 45. Like that doesn't count because you know, we don't hear those. But like any are any players going to be
1: moved that we have not heard a whisper about? Not Not key players, I don't think. No, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you, you keep pointing it out. I mean, nothing's, nothing's secret. <laughs> uh, it, it, everything is sort of out there. So I, I don't think in the last 24 hours you're going to see a major a major bombshell trade. It just doesn't typically really happen with the AFL. I mean, it's all sort of projected. It's all sort of known, and then it's just a matter of uh, working out the details. So, yeah, there, there, there might be some random uh, stuff that we see with role players or uh, younger players or lesser-known players, but I, I don't think there's going to be any any type of bombshell deal. Even the the the
0: role players like we've heard about Mitch Hannon for three weeks. We've, yeah, we we know this stuff. Like Braden Proust is you know, what you call a role player at this point in his career. Like he won't be next season. But we've heard about all this stuff. So I think we might get one trade that we haven't heard about. But man, if we don't get any, I'll uh, I definitely won't be surprised. But Kane, you won't be surprised to know that, that is the end of the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to figure out what else is going on across the AFL landscape. Thank you again for today.
1: Catch you in the morning, man.
0: Guys, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Shay Cockatoo Collins.